Dylan Colley, former BYU wide receiver. He joins us every week here on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Dylan, good morning. Good morning, coach. How are we doing? We're doing all right. Bowl game tonight. You ready? You worked up? Yeah, you excited? Absolutely. I love a little game day. Can't go wrong with that. <laughs> We were talking about uh, where we thought this game was going, and uh, we both expect BYU to win, but neither one of us is 100% sure. And I said, you know, it would not shock me if UCF came in and won this game 41-38. They can't stop people, but they can score points. You turn it over, you get behind, you're trying to get stops. It's hard to do. I could see how it would get away, and PK laughed and said, I was thinking 41-37. I can't believe you just blurted out 41-38. <laughs> So you feeling forty one forty or forty two thirty eight? You got anything like that? You worried about a score? No, I, I do think I do think it's going to be a, a you know an absolute barn burner. Uh, you know, both teams can just absolutely light up the scoreboard. So I'm 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 excited because I know it's going to be a fun game. So I'm all for you know really whatever happens. Obviously, hope you know Brigham can pull out the win, but it is go going to be a fun one. Yeah, especially as a receiver when you know there's an opportunity to catch passes. As far as I look back to when you played in your final game up in Idaho, you got open and it was clear Zach was going to you. From a receiver standpoint, is what's the mindset? Do you think that, hey, if I can get open early, I could possibly have a big game here? Yeah, and I think I, I think that really all starts during practice. You can kind of tell um, the way things are going to go during the week uh, in terms of the game plan and things like that. You know, luckily, um, that's kind of the way it was looking throughout the week. And uh, I think kind of Thursday night, I had a conversation with my dad and just kind of said, "Hey, I think this might actually this might be the game we've been waiting for." So. It's something that you kind of just you you got a pretty good intuition on when when those types of things are going to happen. So, their top receiver is not going to play in this game. He has opted out. But also, you can look at their receiving stats and say, "Hey, these guys do spread the ball around. They got multiple options here." If you were a receiver, second, third, fourth, whatever, in terms of the club, and and the number one guy was out, is that? I guess you lose that connection between the quarterback and the star receiver, but at the same time, that's a lot of opportunity, and defensively they may not be sure where the guy's going with the ball. Yeah, no, 100%. But the thing about you know a, a school like UCF that is throwing the ball as, you know, 90% of the time, right, they've got guys, <clears throat> they've got six, seven, eight receivers that are phenomenal athletes that, you know, are, are good at the position um, because you're not recruiting, you know, uh, as many running backs. You're not recruiting uh, as many other players in these different positions. You're focused on the receiver position because that's what you need for, you know, honestly, this kind of mimic run game uh, if you're going to throw screens and things like that. But ultimately what you have is uh, you should have a very, very deep, deep set of receivers. And so, it wouldn't, you know, don't be surprised that there's a guy that you haven't seen all season that goes for 100 plus yards. So it figures that UCF is going to score points, obviously, because their offense is very proficient. 
How much pressure do you think that puts on BYU's offense to make sure that they're doing their job? Because they're probably going to have to score, you would think, in the 30s, maybe even 40s to win the game. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's, I mean, realistically, that's the only way that you're going to win is if you do score in the 30s. Even against Cincinnati, they put up, uh, you know, and we talked about this last week, was the amount of points that Cincinnati had to put up to win. And that's, that's what makes it fun. That's what makes it a great game for the fans. Uh, but there is going to be a lot of pressure that they put points on the board and they do it early because it doesn't matter how great the defense is. It's very similar to Hawaii last year, right, where Hawaii was just able to put up points and they did it quickly. Uh, so if you don't stay on top of it from the offensive side of the ball, then you're going to find yourselves kind of trapped. The Cougars have only been held under 40 points three times this year, but when they were held under 40, uh, it was usually significant. 28 against San Diego State, 27 against UTSA, and 17 against Coastal Carolina. Is there anything that is going to slow down that offense in this game tonight? No. They don't have the the, – I mean, unless it's BYU themselves, but UCF doesn't have the ability uh, defensively I think defensively they're about as efficient as Houston was, where they do have some athletes, but they're not going to be able to contain. Um, and more importantly, I think what we saw with Coastal Carolina was the pressure, right? And they're not going to be able to they, – they can't bring the pressure uh, like Coastal Carolina did. So this quarterback, Dylan Gabriel, is from Hawaii. I think his father played in Hawaii. And so he speaks of growing up to hate BYU. You played for mm-hmm. both schools – What's the deal with the folks over there in the islands hating on our Cougars, Dylan? It is a, a the first time. So obviously, uh, when Nick Rolovich became the head coach uh, in 2016, uh, that's really kind of what he spoke about was you know kind of reviving uh, these feelings of hate for teams like Fresno State and BYU. And I was kind of like, okay, like, you know, obviously a little bit of a rivalry with BYU. As the years went on, and when we kind of, when we played BYU in 2017, I mean, it was like none other. Like, I didn't, I had zero idea that there was this hatred. It is, uh, it's, it's, to Hawaii, it is probably as big as the BYU-Utah rivalry. And, and the hate, Right the fan bases have um, it's a very personal, personal subject to them. It's wild. So how did it get that way? Does it go back to the nineties when they had a bunch of games that were close and Hawaii had good teams and when they lost, they had to hear from all the BYU fans. Cause there's a lot of BYU fans in the islands. And so yeah, does it exactly because Hawaii, the Hawaii football team is far and away the most popular team in the state. So they just get sick. Not only do we get beat, now we got to listen to these people. Yeah, absolutely. And then if you look at right, obviously going back to the whack days, like like you're saying, right? You go back to the whack days um, where we had the the kind of that in conference rivalry. But you also go back if you look at the biggest wins in in Hawaii's history, they've all taken place when BYU has been undefeated, right? So uh, to to Hawaii, it's like we don't get the respect we deserve and BYU, uh, we had that attitude of like, you know, 
well, yeah, you've gotten this a couple times, but in the long run, it doesn't really matter because you're still irrelevant in that way, right? And so that type of disrespect does not sit well with Hawaii or Hawaii fans. <laughs> so do you think that this actually yeah. does provide motivation for this for this quarterback because this is going to be his one shot to play BYU? Yeah, like when he genuinely says, like he probably, and I don't know Dylan, uh, I worked out and trained with Mackenzie Milton, and he didn't necessarily feel that way. He didn't have that type of tie, right, uh, to the University of Hawaii football team outside of growing up there. It wouldn't surprise me if Dylan Gabriel grew up and all he heard was stories about how much he hates, about how much his dad hates BYU. And so it very well could be, you know, a game that he's looking forward to and does want that piece of, uh, I guess, notoriety with his dad in terms of beating BYU. But, you know, he, he probably cares a little bit more than everybody else on UCF that doesn't really care about BYU. <laughs> All right, so uh, are there any, is there any uh, any other subplots to look for in this? Any guys, any of the young guys you're watching, you expect to step up next year? Anything to uh, keep our eye on aside from the obvious score and competition? I mean, I one I would hope I hope Gunner gets the opportunity to play tonight, uh, but that's you know obviously up in the air, and I don't think really we know if that's going to take place. Uh, the second is. I hope and kind of Dax has a really, really good chance at 150 yards. I wouldn't be surprised if they're kind of, that's a part of the game plan in a way, right? Uh, To be able to get Dax the opportunity to take uh, Austin's record um, for single season receiving yards. I think it would be fun to see. I think it would be fun to watch. Um, But that would be something that I would kind of, I would watch out for. So I don't expect 11-1 and one very often. We understand that. But how confident are you saying that BYU is building a program and now has gotten past the 4-9s and, and the 7-6s and, and can be competitive for the next however fill in the amount of years? Yeah, I, I, I am pretty dang confident in that. And really the only thing that can stop that is a coaching change. But I do believe that, one, Kalani wants to be there, uh, and Tom understands that uh, Kalani has, you know, obviously shaped this entire program to be what it is in 2020. And that's the type of time that a coach needs, right, to put BYU in that position in today's day and age. No matter who he goes out and hires and puts in that position, it's going to take five, six, seven years to really get something rolling. So if I'm Tom and I'm Kalani, I know that right now today you kind of have the opportunity to turn the tide on what the next five, six, seven years looks like, uh, and you're going to do everything in your power to, to keep the people that are in place right now and, and go take that momentum. So I think a lot of people listening right now are nodding their head in agreement with you, but there's a part of them that wonders if some Power 5 team comes along and offers to double Kalani's salary, and he asks BYU, I got this offer, what do you want to do? What is BYU going to say? And a lot of people are flinching 
at the mere thought mm-hmm. of a conversation like that because they're afraid the answer will be, good luck, we'll miss you. Yeah. I think I think if you're BYU, uh, you go to the media team and you make another one of the videos uh, asking for some donations and help, and uh, you kind of start putting together a plan for getting Kalani the money that obviously won't put him right that that won't run him out of town um i think that he he does he does have a passion for BYU and he would never truly want to leave BYU but there is going to need to be there's going to be a price to that and it's not going to be what you know obviously these top five power five coaches are are paying or, or making but there is going to be you know, an increase in pay, and I'd hope that someone does what they can to make that happen. So we've heard that BYU does not pay top dollar, and it's almost, I believe, to the point of pride. You know, you're going to come here and you're going to work for other reasons. You're going to want to be here beyond strictly from salary. But, you know, you've played in multiple college programs. You have friends who've been in many programs. You've mm-hmm. talked about the Notre Dame quarterback is a friend of yours. From the BYU perspective, how much are they on par with what other programs are doing for the players? I would say probably – Definitely not in the middle. I would put him in the upper tier. I think BYU does have the resources. I mean, especially in the last two years, there has been a huge growth, especially when it comes to, like, gear and things like that. Um, and, and you know, the way they travel uh, is pretty top-notch. Um, the resources they have in terms of the training – facility right the weight room is pretty dang top-notch i think because the conversation is typically about the locker room right the way the locker room looks the last time it was renovated everyone has this idea like oh byu doesn't get treated that great um really that's the only thing right now that they aren't keeping up with with how they take care of their players I mean, the amount of gear that they get and, and the type of the way that Nike takes care of them is pretty, uh, is with any, any top SEC school in terms of gear, right? That's what a lot of people don't understand is you're getting, at BYU, you're getting a lot of stuff. Uh, but I think the only thing that they're missing really is the locker room, and I hope that they do update that as soon as possible. All right, you want to make a bold prediction that we can ride in blood and hang on the wall? <laughs> that sounds tough. <laughs> That's I think I'll go 35-28 BYU. Okay. I like it. All right, we'll write that one down. Everybody's taking BYU. We'll get Frank Dolce on here and see if he'll go the other way. Maybe that'll happen. Yeah. <laughs> All, right. All right, Dylan, we appreciate the time. Thanks for joining us again. Yeah, no worries. Hi, Dylan Colley, former BYU and former UH receiver. And 